to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now, here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Thank you for tuning in here in Denver and nationwide. Today, we have our new director of events and media here, Bethany Miller. Bethany, thank you for being here. Hi, April. So we've been to Bible college together. We've served in Africa together. We've been through everything. You've walked through all of my adoptions with me. Yes, I have. I'm so happy that you're joining Adoption Now. I am too. I am so happy to be here, and I'm so excited about all these big events and the things that are coming up for us this year. First of all, we have the Shift Freedom Conference. This conference is um, an event to stop human trafficking. It is in Highlands Ranch, February 23rd and 24th. The David Crowder Band is going to be there. And Bob Goff, who wrote Love Does, he's our keynote speaker. And our very own April Fallon will be on the panel speaking about adoption and human trafficking. Tickets are $17 for students and $53 for adults. Go to Adoption Now on Facebook to find out more and get your tickets. So today we're honored to have Dossie on the show. She is a birth mother that placed her baby two years ago. Last week, Corinne was on, and she is the adoptive mother of Dossie's baby girl. You can get that story on podcast. Just go to adoption-now.com. Dossie, thank you for joining our show and being so brave to tell your story today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Okay, let's go back a few years ago before you were pregnant. You were struggling at home as a teenager? Yes. Um, So both of my parents had met over drugs. They were addicts as well. And um, my dad was never in the picture because he actually had a wife and five other children. Um, When he was around, he was very abusive, but my mother was very neglectful. So I was looking for an outlet in other places. Um, You know, bad attention is better than no attention. And I came across drugs, um, pills to be particular, at the age of 10. And um, this just sent me in a downward spiral, just desperate for attention from anybody at school. And when I turned 15, uh, my father ended up getting arrested for manslaughter. Um, He killed his friend George when he was high, and, um, you know, that really took a toll on me and my identity within the community. Um, I began to lose friends, and I was being looked at different because of my father, uh, who I barely had a relationship with, and this really sent me in a deep depression. Um, It really didn't affect my mom in any way, and so I felt really alone, and um, this led to me abusing the drugs Um, even more consistently than I was before. So I ended up overdosing at school and I got placed in my first rehab and just things weren't working out for me. And I really didn't have a desire to do anything with myself or my life except for abuse drugs. So that's primarily what I did throughout my teenage years. Wow. Talk to me about rehab. So um, I've been to three of them. Uh, My first one, it was very interesting. It was just an outpatient um, at this place called Southwest in St. George, Utah, where I'm from. And uh, it was very different. Um, You go to school for half the day, and then you'd have group therapy for the rest of the other day. And um, it wasn't very strict or consistent. I wasn't court-ordered there, so I didn't have any obligations um, as much as the other girls did, but um, every time I came up dirty on my drug test, uh, they would say, okay, next time you're getting arrested, next time you're getting locked up, and it just led me to keep using, and I started faking my drug test. Um, I was getting in trouble a lot. 
I was never too good at making friends my own age due to um, having to be a parent or an adult at a young age and taking care of my house. And so um, it was very hard for me to make friends, and it was hard for me to reach common grounds with people to find something similar to build a friendship off of. So I felt pretty alone, and that one never worked out. And my second rehab is actually where Cece came along. So uh, due to the failure of my first rehab, I actually ended up getting arrested for stealing a car when I was high on pills and then crashing and then running from the scene of the crime. And so I was arrested, and they sent me to a rehab six hours up north in Salt Lake where um, I had still no desire to get clean. And I was still abusing pills, and then I ended up getting caught. So um, I started giving attention to this uh, other man that was in my rehab named Alan and um, you know their rumor had it that he had acid and Xanax and so um, I started you know flirting with him and just developing a relationship with him because I wanted what he had and so he told me that I could get what I wanted if I had sex with him so um, we had sex on the bathroom floor of this rehab three times um, and, you know, I kind of just had this gut feeling in my stomach as if it were God telling me himself that I was pregnant. Um, again, I still was not good at making friends, so I didn't really have anybody that was on my side in this rehab. And I took it upon myself to tell my counselor that I was pregnant. And um, I told him everything, and nobody believed me. Uh, I was... Everybody was just saying that I was seeking attention and that, uh, you know, I was just desperate to do whatever I can for it. And then I just continued to be in this rehab after I had to restart it for getting in trouble. And I started vomiting every morning, and they started getting concerned as they started seeing signs. And they took me to a doctor, and they got me tested, and I found out I was pregnant. So I got pregnant while in rehab. How old were you? I was 17 when I got pregnant. And how did you feel about all of this? Um, you know, growing up, I never believed in God. Um, I was actually against him for the way my parents turned out. And um, right before I got tested, that was the first time I found myself praying that I was just hoping I wasn't pregnant. And I was scared and I was ashamed and I was embarrassed and humiliated. And I was just like, wow, like getting pregnant as a teenager is one thing, but doing it in rehab for drugs, that's another. So it was... I was kind of ashamed. You're so young at that point. Were you still using while you were in rehab? Um, I was before I got pregnant. But once you found out, what did you do then? Um, I completely stopped. I didn't do it anymore. After I got caught with Alan, I didn't get high after that um, because they were watching me strictly, and I had tighter restrictions on me, so it was harder for me to do what I wanted. And so, um, yeah, I kind of just stopped after that. Um when I had a phone call with my mother, uh, I told her, you know, and she was the one who actually brought adoption up to me because we have a friend uh, who's barren and can't have children. And so she recommended that I place my child for adoption with them because they live in the same town as us and they're a family friend. And um, so that's kind of how I got started on adoption. Did you ever consider abortion? You know, um, I looked it up, and it was like $20,000, and I was just like, there's no way. <laughs> I was like, there's no way, and I was thinking about it, and 
I, I don't know. I don't know how I could have lived with myself. I've heard all these horror stories about abortion, and I was just like, I knew adoption was my only option. So what did the rehab do with you at that point? Uh, they kicked me out. Oh, no. So where did you go? Uh, they took me home. So you were living with your mother, and your mother's like, okay, let's pursue adoption. Yeah. Did you feel like she was going to help you? Um, I felt like my mother was actually being very helpful during that point in time, yes. Um, I feel like she was just as scared as I was and that she knew from the get-go that this would be something bigger than we could ever handle that we could take on. Okay, so, so what was the next step for you in finding the family that you wanted to take your child? Well, the next step was, you know, talking to this family friend and saying, like, hey, blah, 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 I'm pregnant, would you like to adopt? And they automatically said yes right off the bat. Now, um, I was super excited because I grew up with her, and I used to have sleepovers at her house all the time, and I loved her family, but um, she was married now and had her own house with her husband and her adopted foster child. And so um, I didn't take into consideration that her marriage life and that her home family life would be different than each other. And so I went to spend the weekend at their house, and there was just some factors I didn't like about how they were living and how they treated each other. And I just knew it wasn't right. And so um, I had court-ordered counseling after I got kicked out of rehab. And my counselor recommended a premier adoption to me. And so um, I got set up with premier adoption. And, you know, they kind of went over the steps. They told me all my different options regarding adoption and abortion and keeping the child. And I told them that I was for sure that I wanted to go through with the adoption. Um, they asked me if I wanted it open or closed, and I told them I needed to have it open because I needed a relationship with my daughter. And they said, okay. And so we started the process, and they have these, like, big, these just ginormous books um, full of pages of families. And um, I, had, I picked out a family right away, um, but they turned me down because they were adopting another child, and they didn't want to twin the babies. Um, I chose another family from Vegas, but they turned me down because I smoked cigarettes. Um, and then I was just flipping through the book, and I came across Brandon and Corinne. And I was like, wow, this is a super cute family. And so I was just like, let's try contacting this family. And they contacted them, and they agreed to have a phone call. And I talked to Corinne, and she was just this, like, uplifting, happy, po positive energy type of person. And I was just like wow, I'm very interested. Like, this, this seems really nice right now. And so, um, you know, we scheduled to meet and stuff. And Brandon's best friend has a son who is actually going to college in my hometown. And so um, everything was kind of already God-ordained and set up for them to come visit me. And, you know, they came and stayed in a hotel, and we went out to eat, and everything was really nice. And I was just super confident in this family. Like, I knew in my heart that God had chosen them just for me. Like, it was God flipping the pages of that book to help me find this family for my daughter. And That is so amazing. Yeah. And we have to we have to take a break, okay. but I want to hear more about this. And I love something that you said to me is that when you met Corinne, it was like meeting a flower. You yeah. said it was so refreshing because she was happy and she was joyful and she loved you immediately. And yeah. that was something that you needed in your life. So we're going to talk more about that. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. For a thousand years, I love you for a thousand years. 
This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Adoption Now is a nonprofit helping families connect to adoption through storytelling. Thank you so much for your support in 2017. Do you have an adoption story you would like to share? We invite you to be a part of the Adoption Now community by telling your story on our show. Come tell us about the joy and challenges you have experienced in the adoption process. By sharing what you have learned, we can inspire others. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Dossie. She is a birth mother that placed her baby two years ago. And she's talking about all the things that she has been through up into this point of going in and out of rehab. And she's just trying to find her way. All of a sudden she gets pregnant in rehab and realizes she can't continue on doing drugs. She's got to stop. And she is choosing adoption. So you've met Corinne and Brandon, and you have decided this is the family for your child. Yes. And so a really big aspect of it was that um, they have other children they've adopted, and I saw how they interacted with them, and that made me fully interested. And a lot of people don't really uh, respect the fact of adopting to people who already have children, but I loved it because um, I got to see how they acted with them, and I knew that my daughter would have somebody to turn to. Um, let's just say if she got, you know, made fun of at school because she was adopted or somebody told her that she wasn't loved, like, she has support, you know. And so um, the first time I met them, I was really nervous because um, as an addict, um, you know, living in a not-so-great area, you, you tend to feel lower than others sometimes. And so seeing this very nice, like, rich and plentiful family, um, it had, I was really anxious. But um, they were, regardless of how I was, they didn't treat me any different. They, were, they treated me just like I was a regular old Joe, you know, like I had my life together and that I wasn't, like, they treated me like an equal. They had respect for you? Yes, yes. And, you know, a big aspect of um, choosing my daughter's family was actually choosing a family that I wish I always had. And mm-hmm. so um, that was, you know, I, I chose the family specifically of what I've always dreamed of for my daughter. And so the best part about the open adoption is that I got just that because I, they've stayed in contact with me so well ever since I placed her, and they actually give me more support than my own family does. Well, Corinne is such a loving person. She invites yeah. everybody in, and I think that that is so important in adoption is that if you're on the road right now, I think that you have to really think in your mind, this is bigger than just the baby. Yeah, You're, you're about to be a part of something that is way bigger. You're about to be needed in a way that you you have to be open to. And yeah. I think that Corinne is that type of person. She just invited you in and you said you had this great relationship up until you gave birth. I mean, that she was involved in your life, that you invited her in, um, you know, through doctor's appointments and as much as you could involve her, you did. Yes. And so tell us about when you went into labor. So um, when I went into labor, um, I actually woke up and my bed was wet and I thought I peed the bed. <laughs> And um, Corinne and Brandon actually hired a doula for me. And so she came over and she was like, yes, uh, your water broke. And I was like, oh, okay, that's crazy. 
And so, um, you know, I did a little bit of physical activity, walking around a lot uh, to try to induce my labor, and nothing was really happening. So, you know, we just went to the hospital, and it turns out that I wasn't contracting, so uh, they had to put me on Pitocin. And the minute my water broke, you know, I also called Brandon and Corinne, and I think Colorado's like a 10-hour drive for for they live from where I'm from. And so um, they started on the road, and... So they started me off at eight drops an hour of Pitocin and nothing was happening. So they kept adding more until I hit the maximum amount of 30 and nothing was happening. So um, they had to take me off of it, wait a couple hours and put me back on. So I was actually in labor for 30 hours. Oh, my goodness. So Brandon and Corinne got to witness the child being born and they showed up right on time. And um, when she started coming out, you know, it was her decision and she was like, I'm ready. And my mother cut the umbilical cord and I just got to hold this precious little baby in my arms, you know, straight from God, just a sweet little piece of heaven. I just, it was amazing, you know, and the hospital allowed Brandon and Corinne to have a room. Uh, so we got to stay in the hospital for like three days together and I got to spend time with my daughter and it was, it was amazing. And you got to name her, correct? Yes, and so that's a really funny part of the story because I was so confident in Brandon and Corinne adopting my daughter, I never chose a baby name for her. Like, I never imagined myself naming my own child because they had picked a name for her already, and that's what I knew her as. But what did you name her? I named her Emery Patricia Ann LaForge. And what did they name her? Uh, Celise Emery Christian. Aw. My piece of advice for you as an adoptive mom is do not take that from a birth mother. It's hard. I have people all the time that call me, they email me and they ask me, oh, the birth mother wants to name the baby. What do I do? Let her name the baby. That's her baby. Now, later on, you can talk to the birth mother and say, hey, we're going to do this name. We changed it um, after adoption, you know, but give that to her. Let her choose that name if that's what she wants. It's not a big deal. And you know what? I love that you got to do that. And I love that you got to spend time with her. And you went through with the adoption. I know Brandon and Corinne and all adoptive parents, that moment when you're in the hospital, you don't know if you're taking home the baby. You don't know if the birth mother is going to change her mind, but you didn't. And you were confident that you were not going to change your mind, right? Yes. um, Because my daughter would have to grow up in a single parent home in the same house I grew up in. And um, you know, A plus B equals C, you know, like if my daughter were to grow up in the same environment I did, she would probably turn out to be just like I did. And I could not, I could not allow that to happen. Talk to me about after you left the hospital, they're happy. I mean, Corinne is amazing. So I know that, you know, she involved you in everything and she was like, I'm not taking your baby. You're a part of our family. But what was it like for you to go home with no baby? Um, You know, I felt kind of numb. There was, like, something missing, and I was kind of like, I didn't know what to think of my life. I was kind of like, I got pregnant in rehab. I went through a pregnancy of nine months. I had a baby, and now it's gone. You know, it's kind of like, I know this is what's best for her, but it's something just, it felt wrong. You know, I was like, I needed to do more for my child, and I didn't. You know, I felt bad. I was kind of like... I didn't know what to do with myself. I was, you know, and this horrible feeling of not knowing what I was feeling, it led me back to my substance abuse addiction. 
And you ended up in rehab again? Yes. And so um, what happened was I couldn't get a hold of my substance abuse addiction and everything at home was still chaotic. So I ended up running away and I became homeless and I started doing meth and I just had nothing going for me. And in this point in time, Brandon and Corinne, uh, they had, they made it crystal clear to me that if I was going to choose this life, I could not have any communication with my daughter because that's not healthy. And they were putting up boundaries to protect themselves and their family. And as painful as that was, I, that was the sign that I knew that I had picked the right family for my daughter because that's exactly what I was trying to keep her away from. Wow. Okay. So they are putting up boundaries and saying you can't be around your daughter if you're doing this. And that is what made you feel that you made the right choice. Yes. That they were going to protect her even if it was from her birth mother. Yep. That's amazing. Because they were willing to do anything for her. Okay. So protect her and that's what she needs. That is what she needs. That is what babies need. And it's hard with open adoption. And sometimes we as adoptive parents, we struggle with that because we're yeah. like, oh, we want we want the birth mother to be involved. But then if she's on drugs, where are those boundaries? And yeah. so she tried to invite you, right? Corinne invited mm-hmm. you to come visit and you ended up overdosing. Yes. So I spent a week at her house and then I went to a birth mother's retreat. And um, while I was at this birth mother's retreat, um, I had I took some pills and this other birth mother had some alcohol and then um you know just the guy i was seeing at the time ended up cheating on me and i don't remember anything else after that and i woke up in a mental hospital in colorado springs and i stayed there for about two weeks and this is the start of me becoming homeless is because i refused to go home and i told my mom that i would rather stay in a homeless shelter than go back home to her um, Corinne and Brandon were offering me, t- offering to buy a ticket uh, for the Greyhound for me, you know, to get me home, and I refused to accept it. And then what? And um, I stayed at this adult homeless shelter for a month and a half, and then I got kicked out for overdosing. And then I went to a teen shelter where I met other people my age who were into the same things that I was, and I began couch hopping and sleeping in parks and just doing a lot of drugs. Um, because I did not ha- know how to cope with life. And I let people abuse me, and I accepted it because, once again, bad attention is better than no attention. And so um, I think I was homeless for about six to eight months, and what, how that came to an end was um, I ended up getting jumped. And so I woke up in a gutter in a city I didn't know where I was, and... Um, I was still coming down off of drugs and I just didn't know what I was thinking at the time. I just started walking. It's three in the morning and I couldn't read any of the street signs and I found a McDonald's and I used their Wi-Fi and I contacted a friend and, um, this friend had other friends that were driving to Denver from Vegas to pick up drugs and they offered me a ride home. And so, um, they gave me a ride home Uh, My addiction didn't stop, and I ended up overdosing in the middle of a street. I got um, road rash on my face, and my mother was like, that's it, I'm done, you're going to rehab. And so um, I was coming down off of pills. My mother handed me a suitcase. She handed me a plane ticket, and she handed me directions, and she drove me to the airport. And um, I flew to California, 
and this lady named Veronica picked me up and I got in this car and I went to a Christian rehab. And so I was really upset about this because I didn't believe in God. And I was kind of like, what am I doing here? Oh my gosh. And I was already plotting like to leave every minute of the day and like, where could I go and who could I go with? And, um, just like my first two rehabs, I had no desire to get clean. So I continued to abuse pills. And so, okay. So we are running out of time, but you spent a year in rehab and you cleaned up your life. Corinne never gave up on you. She kept inviting you. You had to follow the rules, but she kept inviting you out. And this Christmas you got clean. You went out and visited your baby girl and you were able to have a relationship. And now you're back in school and you're living in California with your aunts, right? Yes. And your life is, is changing. And you know what? I believe that, and you said it yourself, adoption really changed your life. Yes. Um, For the mere fact that I placed my daughter for adoption, this has opened many doors for me and both my daughter. Um, She gets to grow up in a healthy environment, and here I am. I am graduating. I just graduated high school because I have the freedom um, to do what I need to do for myself instead of having to work 24-7 to take care of a daughter to give her the bare minimum. Um, I also am in dance. I'm going to be in a cabaret that is $75 on a ticket. And so that's pretty cool um, for a lot of training I get to do uh, without responsibility. Um, I'm in a poets group and I'm actually running 5Ks now, um, now that I'm healthy and I'm able to exercise and do what I can. And my daughter just gets to be happy and live her life with her family. Dossie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.